to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast where gravity is only a suggestion. Of course, I am your host, Keith. And I know I, I feel like I say this every episode, but man, I have a really, really good episode today for you guys. Got Josh from Still Loading On. And we're talking about a game, you know, you know, when I think of Josh, you know what? We're going to get to Josh in a minute first. <laughs> I've got to get some shilling out of the way here because, of course, of course, we have patron shout outs coming up here. And if you want to get your name in the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the main quest. You can also find that link in the show notes among other links as well, uh, to, uh, merch, social media links, and other places you can find the podcast. Not that you need to find the podcast anywhere else because you're listening to it right now. <laughs> Either way, there's plenty of ways to support the show aside from signing up on the Patreon. But if you do sign up on the Patreon, you're going to get tons of stuff for it. First of all, you're going to get ad-free episodes several days early, earlier than you know, what, when you're probably listening to this and you get that for only a dollar, that's all it takes. Just toss me a dollar for a month and you're going to get episodes several days earlier and you don't have to hear me, uh, talk to a Pokemon trainer. And if you feel like tossing me $5 a month, that's less than, you know, the price of a Starbucks coffee. Basically, you're going to get access uh, to two bonus shows. You're going to get those early episodes. You're going to get two bonus shows in this month. I'm talking about Flash games. I've, I've got a show dedicated to Newgrounds Flash games. And you're going to get Fry Osama Bin Laden. That's a game. That's a game that I played and I talked about. You're also going to get access to side quest episodes. Remember side quest episodes when I would talk about like Bloodborne? Or I talk about uh, the history of survival horror games? You're going to get stuff like that because that's not coming on the main feed anymore. And this month, I've got Chris on from a novel console, and we're talking about Star Fox. All of them. Most of them. Most of them. We talk a lot about uh, the entire Star Fox franchise. That is a fucking great episode, especially since I'm not very versed in the Star Fox franchise. But Chris is. Chris has got it down pat. And of course, there is the main quest matinee, which is at the highest tier. I think that is $7, which again, hey, $7 a month? Really not that much money in the long run. These are recession beater prices. You, you can't get any better than this. And so, yeah, you're going to get the main quest matinee where Ryan of Listoff and I are talking about video game movies or movies that are adapted from video games. And right now we are talking about 2002's Resident Evil. The OG, the one that, uh, you know, started it all and kind of infected the games a little bit. So yeah, you can find all that stuff on the Patreon. Again, patreon.com forward slash the main quest. Now, onto these shout outs. And I have a handful of new patrons here. I cannot thank you guys enough. Of course, thank you to everybody who signed up. You know, not not only just these, uh, you know, six in particular, but everybody else as well. Everybody is welcome at the Patreon. But these patrons in particular are going to get a shout out here. And since we're talking about Looney Tunes today, I figure I name them after 
Acme products. So, first patron is Eric Guess. And Eric is going to be rocket-powered roller skates, which according to this uh, wiki, uh, lets you skate at unlimited speed. Unlimited. You could literally circle the Earth in three seconds if you wanted to. I don't want to know what effects that has on, on your flesh or your internal organs. Uh, moving on, Zero Sam is the next patron. Zero Sam is nitroglycerin. Because nothing makes me think about caustic explosions more than Zero Sam, apparently. Kayla Jackson is the next patron. Kayla is the artificial rock. It says, lets you become like a real rock out in the open. <laughs> it's basically the Metal Gear Solid box, but in Looney Tunes form. Wily E. Coyote? Wily Coyote? Is it just Wily? Wily Coyote? I get it. Now I'm saying it correctly. Wily Coyote is basically just the solid snake of Looney Tunes. Uh, the next patron, Ryan Player One. He is Grease. It says it's only 50% slippery. Only 50, like not 100% slippery. So there's, there's a little bit of grip to that grease, if you know what I mean. Next is Ashton. Ashton is uh, dehydrated boulders. It's basically oatmeal. Makes instant boulders with just a drop of water. And finally, the last patron here, Dave Jackson is... Ooh, we got to get a good one for Dave here. Dave is earthquake pills. Makes instant earthquakes. I don't know why they come in pill form. Sounds like uh, it could cause a lot of casualties if digested, which is probably exactly what happens in the cartoon. Uh, so that's it. Those are the patron shoutouts. Thank you guys for signing up. Thank you for supporting the show. I really, really do appreciate it. And now on to the episode. And so again, I, I like I said up top, I had Josh on from Still Loading. And, you know, I thought I would have Josh on for a a landmark game, a landmark title, you know, like Final Fantasy IV, you know, Super Mario World or something, like something big, something large. And I had a couple Sonic games left on the list for him to pick from. What else? I, I had some other games that I was like, oh, yeah, surely, surely Josh is going to pick one of these. No, he picked Tasmania. <laughs> he picked this game. And it's it's almost perfect. It's almost perfect because he, you know, if you guys listen, if you guys are familiar with Still Loading, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, he doesn't really talk about games like these. And it was just, I, I didn't know what to expect going into this. But I mean, man, I mean, Josh, Josh is is great. He's a better podcaster than I could ever wish to be. Uh, and he handled everything, everything very well. He even uh, got farther in the game than I did. And we're going to talk about that because this is this is a rough video game, you guys. This is a, this is a very rough video game. But of course, always remember, it's okay to like a video game. And it's okay to like a podcast episode. So I hope you guys enjoy my talk with Josh about Tasmania. <laughs>
nah, man, I think I'm good. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I played, a, I got, I, I'm, I'm happy I actually got a little bit farther than you, not because of personally getting farther than you, but I'm always afraid, like, if I don't play as much as the host, then I feel like a bad guest, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. I wouldn't have cared if you tapped out even earlier than I did. I, I would, I understand. Oh, I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I have words about this game, that's for damn sure. And I'm sure yeah, you do uh, too. Let's, I, I guess, let's just get into it. Yeah, go for it. Tonight, I'm very excited about the guest I have. We've already been talking for like two minutes. I'm putting all that in, by the way. Oh, it's okay. probably been like it's probably been like what two and a half years or something since I was like, hey, maybe you should come on the show or whatever. It's been it's been quite some time since we first started interacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's been a lot of people I've been trying to get on the show for the past two and a half years, and it just the way things get planned out, it, it, it's just the way things are sometimes. Uh, it happens. People get mm-hmm. busy. But, I mean, I haven't formally introduced you. Uh, you can usually catch this guy painting holes on the side of mountains or shilling Acme products <laughs> and Acme-related <laughs> accessories. But mostly you'll hear him hosting the Still Loading podcast. It is Josh Colville. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me on. I, I was concerned when you first led off with painting holes in the side of mountains. I'm like, well, what are those holes for? I'm very concerned by because your jokes tend to go to a handful of places that I don't know if I'm comfortable with, sir. So, <laughs> no, you, no, it's for when you trick uh, the road runner into uh, running down a down a tunnel. Come on, Josh. <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> got it. the dick I, jokes for you, later. <laughs> <laughs> Once you got to the Acme products, I'm like, oh, it's a Looney Tunes joke. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. But when you let off with holes and mountains, I'm like, that's very vague. I don't understand. Am I Gollum? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But no, dude, thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. So if people are somehow not familiar with you and, and what you do on the internet, tell us all a little bit about what Still Loading is about. Well, I mean, it's very easy to not be familiar with my show. It's not, it's not, it's no Retronauts, I'll say that, or it's no, uh, like, kind of funny or who, at least any big gaming podcast. Anyway, uh, Still Loading is a video game podcast. It's kind of like, I kind of describe it as a grab bag gaming podcast because I do, I cover a little bit of everything. I do deep dive retrospectives, kind of like what you do on your show for your, for the, your games where we look at us, we focus solely on a specific game for an entire episode. Um, but I also do episodes where I do interviews with people, in the industry, like voice actors and composers. And I've had actually some animators on, which has been kind of cool. Um, like, like cartoon animators and how somehow it ties into gaming, I promise. But uh, get some cool people like that. I, then I also do uh, weird ideas. Like I've been doing this, having this running series for almost uh, three years now. Or it's been almost two years, excuse me called uh captain and the game master for those who remember that cartoon and and i've been doing a rewatch of that cartoon once a month my friend dexter and i torture ourselves by watching a captain n episode an episode if you will and uh we just dissect the episode to make fun of it and so yeah it's kind of all over the place and the last thing i'll shout out as as a the reason i 
you know, it kind of lends itself to the gaming grab bag idea. I have other weirder ideas where it's not retrospectives or interviews where I did uh, an episode called Still Loading Storytime, which was an episode where some friends and I did dramatic readings of old video game manuals. And that was, <laughs> that turned out pretty fun. And uh, then I did the Final Fantasy Fantasy Draft, which do you like Final Fantasy? Do you like fantasy sports? This is what happens when the two mash up together, cram together. And so, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. But that's a very long-winded explanation, but that's it's kind of hard to put to really describe everything that my podcast has because I I don't really stick to one topic. It's all gaming related. That and that's the most important thing though. Yeah, that's what I really like about your show is that it's there's always something fresh when you're jumping into it. And you also have, you know, you just did uh Mario month. Uh you just got done with that. Yes. And that's a uh, kind of like a yearly thing that you uh, annual thing that you do. Uh, which really changes things up and uh, you don't always strictly talk about a specific specific mario game it could be mario adjacent mario related which i think is really cool i did what mario speed running the one year and then so it was like it was kind of game related but kind of not but yeah i did mario speed running I, i did the mario edutainment games one year as well yeah it's i think that's really as someone who is also you know trying to create a form of entertainment here it's gonna lend itself out a little bit more on you know another feed uh is that i'm always want to try different ideas but like i'm never confident that would ever that some people some people might be into it and some others might not be is that something that's ever kind of worried you about that bizarrely no because i assume like you can usually tell what the numbers like so for example the captain n series those don't do as well as my other episodes by a decent margin but i don't really care because it's been kind of something fun that i like to do um in 2021 i did uh it was a scripted series i actually wrote everything out on the history of rts games and that was like a monthly series where it was kind of like mini episodes um and I did each one was a different segment of kind of like leading up to through the history of RTS, uh, the real time strategy genre. And those also didn't do very well because RTS is a fairly niche genre within a gaming podcast, which is also a niche genre. So like you kind of have this niche within a niche. But I, I don't know. I've never really been that nervous about it. I just kind of if something pops into my head that I really like, then I try to do it. Um and just kind of see where it goes. I don't really worry too much about if people will like it unless I, if, if, if I'm ever nervous about something and it has happened, I have been cautious. It's usually with Patreon content, but I'll say in the episode, I'm like, Hey, if you don't, I'm not sure how this actually turned out. This was kind of like an idea that was half baked, but I wanted to see where it went because sometimes in all honesty, you're never going to be able to fully bake an idea until you at least have one attempt and whether that attempt succeeds or fails doesn't you know you don't know until you try um so sometimes like i did a patreon episode for my for my and uh for the four dollar patrons where i just recounted through my n64 memories i literally have i still have the bin uh with me like right next to me on the floor here where i just went through all of my n64 games and if it was a game i had a memory of i i would read the title and then i would recount the memory if i didn't have a memory of it then i would just read the title so it was kind of cool to go through my n64 collection while also taking a stroll down memory lane and i didn't know if that was going to be fun 
or not. And it's it's definitely not enough to fill like a full episode on my on my show on the main feed. But for the patron the patrons who want to get a little extra content. I do two bonus episodes a month that are about 20 to 25 minutes a piece. Um, and that was one of them this time. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's stuff like that. Uh, actually, here's a little behind the scenes for your listeners. And I don't even think my patrons are going to hear this. Uh, or, I mean, they'll hear it, but they, they don't even know about this idea. But I have an idea for a bonus episode for them. Uh, where it would, ne- I can't do it on the free feed because it, it's not going to fill like an hour to an hour and 15. Um, I have a buddy who has the Mario pinball machine, has a full Mario pinball machine in his home. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to go over to his place, record the audio of him playing it, and then also have a little interview with him asking how he got it, what the game is like. Just it's a quick little 15, 20 minute profile on the Mario pinball machine. I can't do a full episode on that. A, I don't know enough about pinball and B, I don't think there's enough there to warrant a full hour to hour and a half discussion. With that said, I like this idea. I don't know if it's really going to work or not because I'm talking about a pinball machine that I don't really know much about, but I think I could, I think there's enough there that I could at least make an interesting 15 to 20 minute bonus episode. So there's stuff like that. Like there's, there's ideas that pop into my head and then I try to figure out, does it work for my main show? Does it work for bonus content? And then I just kind of go from there. You know, you mentioned how you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm no retronauts and as somebody who has also been somewhat inspired by retro dots and i've also been again i've been you're like one of the first podcasters gaming podcasts that i listened to after i started my own so i've been listening to you basically since i've started this so thank you man i didn't know that to go from i was basically just listening to retro dots prior to starting my show and and giant bomb those are the only two gaming podcasts i started and then finding you and you're kind of you know you say you're not on the same level but you should be no, because you do no, have so much more historical context than even, you know, I, I, f- I feel like I do a pretty decent job uh, for the games that you I do. cover. A hundred percent you do. You have so much more context and you even have the people on to help to give you more context, further context. And to even you were just on a list on a, a top gaming podcast list right <laughs> next to <Yeah>. retro dots. <laughs> I, so, I don't I, I maybe it's, it's imposter solely, syndrome, but I don't I don't I still don't I don't think I belong. I'll be completely honest. And this is a shout out to one of both of our friends. Uh, it's a friend of both of ours, I should say the retro hangover crew. Like, I feel they mm. should be up there like in sure. all like their yeah. show, I think, is higher quality than mine. Um, and like I, there's so many different shows that I think should des- belong up there more than mine i just it i just was luck of the draw but that really means a lot man i had no idea that you uh liked that you listened to my show from from that early on that really means a lot thank you yeah yeah every you deserve every bit of accolades you get and uh definitely if i mean you guys listen to my show you're definitely gonna like what josh is doing over there it's still loading but what i need to ask you is where did (laughs) your journey with video games even begin oh so uh where my journey with gaming began, I uh, first started uh, probably my f- my first console was the N64. I would say I first got into video games, though, before that, because my neighbors had a Sega Genesis, which is applicable to the topic of today's episode as well. Uh, my neighbors had a Sega Genesis. My other neighbor, two houses down, had a PlayStation 
And I remember some church friends had an NES and a Super Nintendo and the Zapper. I remember playing Duck Hunt over there and being like, whoa, this is kind of awesome. And what really kind of grew my love for video games is the uh, when I went over to that church friend's house, I remember we would go over there for like, you know, church functions and stuff like that or like little mini church events. And I remember going down to his basement. They had this beautiful finished basement, like a pool table and a uh, um, little tube TV, you know, little the, the TV, uh, tube TV. That was the only kinds of TVs back then, but <laughs> a CRT, you know, CRT, and everything yeah. set up. I remember a wall of VHS as well. I also remember, this was years later, they had the designated family computer in the basement as well, in like a little office off in the corner. And I remember at one party, I went over there and my the one friend was there. He was on AOL Instant Messenger. He was messaging people back and forth there. I'm like, what is this? I had no, I was like in sixth or fifth grade. So I had no idea what the fuck was happening. But uh, anyway, so I was at their house and I remember them showing me Mario and it blew my goddamn mind because I'm like, wait a second. This is a, this is a cartoon that I can move. Like I can control the cartoon on the screen. And I think, I don't know if it was the original Super Mario Bros or if it was Super Mario Bros 3, but, um, I saw that and it just, it warped my brain. I couldn't understand how you were controlling this cartoon on the screen. And it was the coolest thing in the world to me. And, and then ever since then, I just kind of really liked video games. I, my uncle had a PC and we would play like edutainment games over there, like the, the living books games or like the interactive storybooks type of things. Um, we would play Mist as well, even though we had no idea what we were doing. Um, play Mist, and then my neighbors had the Sega Genesis and I would play over there. I was one of those bratty kids that didn't want to go over to my friend's house to play with them. I wanted to play their video games. I didn't give a shit about them. I just wanted the video games. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad about that still. And, and you know, in retrospect, they're still nice people, but we are v like vastly different in person in terms of personality. So it kind of is not surprising I didn't want to go over to see them. I just wanted their video games. Mm. Um because little kids have no filter. Anyway, then right, I got right. my N64 at, when I was 10 and never went outside again. And here we are, you know, <laughs> 20 some odd years later, still playing video games. What was it about the N64 part in particular that really drew you in? Was there a game that you that really stuck out to you? Yeah. Um. So the N64, it, it's kind of a two part with that. Uh, when I got it. I actually didn't like it because I wanted a Sega Genesis as a kid and because my neighbors had a Sega Genesis and all my favorite games, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, my personal favorite game of all time for a long time was Tiny Toon Adventures Buster's Hidden Treasure, which I did an episode on a, a year or two ago. Loved that game. I don't know what it was about that game as a kid, but well, actually, no, I do know. There was lots of secrets in it, like lots of secret passages and stuff like that. And it was fun to explore those levels. Um, so when I was old enough and I started seeing all the kids have video games, I asked my parents, can I have a Sega Genesis? Excuse me. Can I have a Sega Genesis? Can I have a Sega? And for Christmas, I got the Nintendo 64 and I looked at them. I didn't say it, but in my mind, I'm like, this isn't a Sega. I was so mad at them. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, man? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't swear back then, but you know, I was, I was upset. 
And they got me the N64 and Donkey Kong 64. And I remember actually, I talked about this on uh, another mutual friend, uh, P- Pixel Project Radio, Rick Firestone's podcast, um, where we went to Blockbuster the next day. It was, it was either the day after Christmas or like a day or two after Christmas. And we rented Pokemon Snap. And that was like my first experience with the N64s because I liked Pokemon because they were, you know, the collectible cards mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I actually had friends who had it on Game Boy, but I didn't have a Game Boy. So anything to get that Pokemon fix. Um, so I played that. And then I finally started trying out Donkey Kong 64. And then once the world of Donkey Kong 64 opened up and I realized what it actually is like to play a 3D platformer like that, I was hooked. And okay. I love, I still love that game. Game is very flawed, extremely flawed for those who <laughs> have played it. But... I love it so much and I will always go to bat for it no matter what because that was the game that kind of hooked me on the N64 and kind of it I already had a love of video games but that kind of cemented it. Mm. Yeah, I I I guess I I just assumed that the N64 was like a a huge thing for you the way you kind of uh ended your first little story there, but I do have a question for you that raises a question uh, like now, if you had a Genesis mm. in front of you and an N64 in front of you, what are you picking up and playing? Because those are two very different consoles. Mm. <laughs> um, That's tough. If I were to take nostalgia out of it, so with nostalgia N64 still, like with nostalgia included N64, with if I'm trying to remove the nostalgia from the equation, it's actually a little bit more 50-50. And the reason I say that is no disrespect to Genesis owners. I don't really have a lot of fondness for Sega-style games because they were more arcadey, and I liked more of what Nintendo brought with the Super Nintendo. Like, Like the Super Nintendo had more, you know, whether it's JRPGs or whatnot, but like, there's a big difference between the type of game. Like even look at the the two big platformers for each system: Super Mario World and Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog is still a lot more arcadey. It's it's much less arcadey compared to other stuff. But Sega really f- focused on their arcade ports: Altered Beast, you know, Golden Axe, uh, a lot of sports games too. A lot of sports games. I'm not a big sports games guy. Sports game guy. Um, I'm not a big beat 'em up fan either, not because I think they're bad. It's just they're, 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 it's a genre I never got to experience much in. Though I do, what I have played of Streets of Rage, I have enjoyed. Um, I think because I know the N64 library better from all the games that I've played, there are more games that I find fun on the N64 just because I, I know I said I had to take nostalgia out of it and I, I'm trying to, but because I have, I've played more games on the system, I just have more of a library in there. I'm like, okay, I know this game's fun. I know this game's fun. I know I like this game. I can think of like 10 games on the N64 that I find fun in some way, shape or form. I can only really think of like five or six on the Genesis. So I think I'm going to have to go with the N64 just based off the metrics of games that I know. But then, uh, I'm going to go with N64. I'm going to stick with N64. Considering the way my Genesis portion of the show has been going, you know, if I if I had to pick, I I think I would just pick N64. Not only just based you on you say that now, the- you say that now. Wait till you get to the shovelware on the 64. <laughs> but I mean, did I play any shovelware on the 64? There's got to be some I out there. I mean, I don't I mean, know. The, there is. You know, there has to be. Uh, they 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 were digging for scraps. 
But I always end the little uh, interview here with uh, this question. What is your favorite game of all time? Yeah, that's a that's a damn hard one. I don't really because the worst part is, is I don't have one. And I'm not going to say I will give an answer because it changes from time to time. It's generally like what is the game that has impacted me the most within the last like couple months or so. I'll be honest, the first game that popped in my head, it's not even one that I've been playing recently, is Ratchet & Clank Going Commando, the second Ratchet & Clank game. Okay, and that's just because you played it recently, or...? No, it was the first game that popped in my head. I don't even know if it's really my favorite game of all time, but if I was racking my brain for, like, games that I like, and that was the first thing that popped into my head, and I really do love that game. I think it's one of the best Ratchet and Clank... I think it's one of the best games in the Ratchet and Clank series, and it's still... I I, I have played it somewhat recently, I think, like, a less than a year ago, and it's still fun. Like, it still holds up. Uh, listeners can't can't see this, but... Uh, behind Josh is like seven, seven <laughs> yeah. shelves of video games. And I'm hoping at some point he turns around when he leaves the room and he sees a game. He's like, oh, shit, I should have said that. <laughs> uh, nothing <laughs> off the top of my head. I do he's, see he's Tack and the Power of Juju back there. Uh, I don't even know what those are. I, I feel like you made those that was up. An old Nico- that was a Nickelodeon <laughs> cartoon that they made into a bunch of games or and vice versa. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, Tack and the Power of Juju goes to Tsushima. That's a good one. Anyway, I could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you said cartoon show, uh, why don't we get into the topic of today's episode? Mm. So, So starting out with our personal histories here with Tasmania, I have some, obviously, because I'm, I'm covering, I'm playing it. Uh, it's not a lot, but I do want to start with you. The question's going to keep coming to you, Josh. Go for uh, it. B- b- well, before I ask you what your personal history is, it, the one thing I we didn't talk about when we were talking about your show is you usually don't, you do cover licensed stuff, a lot of James Bond stuff. Um, yeah, you don't usually cover like. How do I say this? You don't cover games like this. I don't cover games that I, I, there have been okay. So that's not entirely. You basically cover games that are that I'm not entirely sure if I like or not. Is what you're saying, right? I yeah yeah more or less I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I guess we kind of have to spoil our, a little bit of our opinions on it. And if you want to cut this out for later, feel free to. But uh, you mean games that are bad? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, my overall I wasn't question, sure if you wanted me to bury the lead or not. Where where I was going with where I was going with that is, you know, I offer my guests up a list of what I what I have. Right, I had stuff like. Uh, I think I had like uh, Sonic, a couple of Sonic games. I had like Hyperstone Heist. I had some other stuff on there. You chose Tasmania, Josh. Uh, <laughs> why? Um, 
So I'll be honest, uh, I thought I owned this game. I do, but for the Super Nintendo, which is a different game made by a different developer. So when you, I saw it on the list, I thought I owned this. And I'm like, I have not. I bought this game, and I've always wanted to try it. This will be my excuse to try it. So I have absolutely no personal history with the game itself. I have a little bit more history with Taz the character, which we'll get into. But... I chose this game literally because I'm like, well, I don't have any experience with this. I doubt many other people do. I'm sure Keith is going to look for a guest for this. I think I even told you, though, like if you find someone who has who has like a burning passion for this game, please <laughs> have them on because I literally asked to be on this one just because a I've always wanted to guest on your show. What I what I haven't listened to every episode, but the episodes that I have, I've always really enjoyed. And so I was like, well. This is my excuse here. This is my moment. I can play the game. Uh, and it was a game. <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody out there, nobody that I know, <laughs> probably has a burning passion for this game, and I'm sure I will find <laughs> out. I mean, so my personal history with this game, and I suppose it has more to do with the cartoon show. It starts with Fox Kids. You know, every Saturday morning, I would remember... Mm-hmm. Waking up, eating breakfast, watching Bobby's World, Power Rangers, and Yo, what a flashback, Bobby's World. It's weird when you think about the early 90s and how Looney Tunes maintained for how long. Like, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, like, ever really, like, I wouldn't call myself a Looney Tunes fan. It was something that was just kind of on. It was just kind of a Foisted upon you? If that makes sense. Yeah. And I felt like you know, mainly Cartoon Network launched around 90, mm-hmm. 1990, 90, somewhere around there. I can look it up while you're talking. I'm not sure off the and, top of my head. Uh, it doesn't really matter that much. But they also had, the Looney Tunes also had like those movies coming out in like the mid to late 80s too. Like a little more of like the full length movies. They're like an hour long or something like that. And I, I feel like things like Cartoon Network kind of kept that going and they would like repackage and handpick the cartoons that they would show. So like they weren't, it's not like mm. they were showing like the pro- problematic Looney Tunes stuff from like the 1930s or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But they would like repackage these episodes. And I remember them like, uh, what's the dog's name? I think it's like droopy, droopy, droopy dog, not a Looney Tune, but they would repackage these shows as something like they'd have like an hour long block of them. And, repackage them for like droopy i think it was like kicking it with droopy d or something like that make it very 90s but then they would show like these night these cartoons from the 1960s or something like that so i mm-hmm. think they found ways around really showing just how dated the cartoons were not that you know an eight-year-old or nine-year-old's really gonna know anyway uh but it kept it fresh and i don't know what it was about looney tunes specifically that was like, I don't know, you're a little bit younger than I am, so I don't know if you remember. The early 90s had like this boom in Looney Tunes, which obviously like culminated in Space Jam for some reason mm-hmm. that happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there were tons of spinoffs and a shit ton of merchandising. And then, of course, you've got all the video games and stuff. And the game, Tasmania, is based off of Taz, right? The the character mm-hmm. from Looney Tunes. It's the same name. And 
Well, I guess my question for you is, did you ever watch Tasmania? So, no, uh, but I have uh, no no experience with the cartoon, but I have a lot Looney Tunes in general. I I wouldn't classify, you know how like I'm a, you know, obviously big into video games. I do the whole fucking podcast about it. Huge fan of James Bond. No way too much. I know way too much unnecessary shit about James Bond. Looney Tunes, I love a ton, but I don't have that same level of like, why the fuck do you know that pointless knowledge uh, about, you know, that <laughs> that level of like, I guess, like insight into it. But I love Looney Tunes. Um, so my experience with Taz is pretty much only in Looney Tunes. And I'll be honest, Taz, it, Taz was such a weird character because he was not a great character in the nineties or sorry, not in the nineties, pre nineties, like in the original Looney Tunes at all. He was basically just, you know, if you're thinking of like a horror movie, he's the amorphous alien that just kind of like devours things. Uh, and that's kind of like his role in the cartoons. He's not supposed to be necessarily horrific, but he's kind of like this. He's more of a force of nature. You know, like if you're going with the whole uh, in literature, you know, is it man versus is it man versus man, man versus nature, man versus whatever? This would be like the Taz cartoons are almost like man versus nature. Like Taz just doesn't have a personality, just kind of does things. And so there's really not much to it. And it's funny because like I actually think Looney Tunes, I don't get me wrong, there are uh, extremely problematic Looney Tunes cartoons and there's extremely problematic jokes in some of the older Looney Tunes cartoons. But it's funny as an adult, I actually find Looney Tunes, depending on the cartoon, still kind of funny, like especially like the Bugs Bunny ones. I don't, I don't know what it is, especially like the ones with Bugs, Daffy and Elmer Fudd, like the wordplay that they have on there is surprising. Like I was not expecting to be so well-written. Uh, it's like, these are jokes that I actually legitimately find funny anyway. So, but Taz, the reason I said Taz was a, I went off on a small tangent there. I love, I love Looney Tunes. Uh, but Taz is weird because there's not much character to him, but then in the nineties, fucking, he was everywhere. It was the same thing with like Tweety Bird. Yes. Warner brothers decided yes. to use Taz and Tweety as a marketing thing where everyone had a goddamn Taz t-shirt or like a Tweety Bird t-shirt. Yes. And I don't know where, like Taz at least makes sense because they had the Tasmania cartoon from what, 91 to 95 or 92 to 95 or some shit like that. But like Tweety did, I don't, did Tweety have, I think Tweety did have their, uh, their own cartoon. I don't remember, but it was still weird to have this big marketing push based off these two Looney Tunes characters. And it was successful. That's the strangest thing. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it was one of those ones where like, if you ask people, Oh, do you like Taz? They're like, no, but I like this shirt. It was always shit like that. It was not that they actually liked the cartoon. They just liked the shirt. People just really walking weird. around with, yeah. People walking around with like these, uh, double XL, white t-shirts with Tweety Bird on it, wearing a backwards hat and a basketball jersey. <laughs> and a Gen Code, some Gen Code jeans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if you haven't watched the show, uh, essentially it's, I mean, it's the Jetsons or the Flintstones or the Adams Family. Um, okay. Hell, I talked about the Pac-Man cartoon on, on this show uh, <laughs> very early on in the show's infancy don't go back to that one but <laughs> um they're just episodic cartoons of taz and his family getting his shenanigans and i guess so they created a, a family for taz to have because just mm -hmm. as you said taz isn't a character so they had to make characters around him 
to have things make yep. sense. I, I so I watched like the intro, the the theme song to it before we recorded. Do not just watch so this intro, by the way. Do not if you are ep- epileptic. Do not watch the intro. Of this show. It's not very good. It's not a good song. It's kind of boring. But I did find it. I it it was so weird to see him have like a sister and like a mom and a dad. And I'm like, what is happening here? I kind of want to watch the show just to see what it's like now. Um, I'm sure I could find full episodes on YouTube, but I didn't get a chance to. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, I, it's been a I revisited week. it prior to. No, you're all good. I, I revisited it prior to uh, jumping on the show. And yeah, most of the comedy just leans on the fact that Taz doesn't have any bit of dialogue. He just screams and spits mm-hmm. everywhere. And uh, the comedy comes from comes from his uh, family being able to understand him but you can't is that funny (laughs) it really doesn't it doesn't go any deeper than that but um yeah just to to wrap up here i know we've kind of been going on tangents but i mean the tv show is in like my saturday morning routine basically and um this was a game that i did not own but i did rent it i i don't know why i rented it and i fucking (laughs) i also rented it rented it rented it i also rented the the super nintendo game as well which you already mentioned is a completely different game and that's also Mm -hmm. going to be a completely different episode in the future oh god i should come back for that because i own that game (laughs) that would be Uh, so fucking stupid to have me on for the two tasmania games (laughs) (laughs) and nothing else (laughs) you're the taz never again I could tell by your backwards Taz hat that you're wearing right now. Yeah, I don't I think Taz I ever... Genco jeans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, history tends to repeat itself, right? Uh, so I, I don't think mm-hmm. when I was a kid I ever beat this game beyond, like, maybe the first two stages. And, um, you know, I I mean, we already kind of mentioned it. I, I didn't beat this game. You got mar- much further than I did. Uh, and we'll Only get into one level for a little bit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we we talk about that specifically, let's just get into the development history real qu- real quick here. There really isn't a lot to say about this game because there's really not a lot out there. Tasmania is a side-scrolling platformer developed by Recreational Brainware and published by Sega. I don't know why I'm scared about messing up the developer name because they one they don't exist. And two, I'm probably going to say some very mean things about them later on. Um, the two names we have to know here uh, is Bert Sloan and Jonathan Miller, who designed and programmed the game. I did do mm-hmm. a bit of digging, and I learned that Recreational Brainware was actually commissioned to help Western developers make soundtracks using the Mega Drive sound, trip, uh, sound chip. Okay. And having played all of the games that I have played up to this point, most of which were developed by Western Studios, I would have to say that Recreational Brainware didn't do a very good job. I know there are people that have nostalgia for stuff like Earthworm Jim and, um, man, I don't know, Primal Rage or something like that. But, like, now I'm not saying Recreational Brainware helped those games specifically, but I'm just using those exa- as examples. Yeah, yeah. Are you nostalgic or do you 
typically enjoy a lot of the Sega soundtracks? Do you even pay attention to the soundtracks? Yeah, I do pay attention to soundtracks. With Sega specifically, I am nostalgic for obviously the Sonic ones, even though I didn't have them growing up. I would play them over at friends' houses. The music I remember of it, yes, but in general, like the thing that's interesting about the Sega soundtracks, you know, it uses FM synthesis instead of like samples that uh, the Super Nintendo did. And I'm I'm sorry if you already mentioned that, but I think the thing with it is that it wasn't it was so in general, there's not a, a lot of fantastic soundtracks on the Sega Genesis, not because of the sound chip itself, but because people didn't know quite how to use FM synthesis to its fullest extent. Like you look at any soundtrack by Yuzo Koshiro and it's phenomenal. Like some of the best music, not just for a video game, just period. And he love he loves FM synthesis, excuse me. And, you know, the music for Streets of Rage, phenomenal. Uh, the music for the Sonic games, phenomenal. It's, it's music that that works really well with the sound chip. I think um, games that utilize the Genesis sound well are ones that kind of lean into like almost like the electronic vibes of it to an extent, like that really lean into, especially like it's, it's bass sound, like his bass sound I always found is very techno-y. I feel like if they can lean yeah. into that electronic vibe to it, I think it, it works out. Not saying every game works with that, but because this soundtrack for this game, <laughs> I... Listeners, if you want a, your ears to bleed, this is the game for you. And I will oh say my God. The, the the two examples you use, uh, Yoko, who is that? The streets Yuzo, of, Yuzo Koshiro. Yuzo Koshiro, yeah. Uh, and uh, the people that compose for uh, the Sonic games, those two examples specifically, Japanese developers or, or Japanese musicians. So... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> big i mean uh, that, that was still a, they, common too because yeah sorry, there's something ahead. in the water in japan there's something in the water where they knew exactly how to make music on this thing whereas western developers were like uh, i don't know <laughs> well a, a lot of that had to do with how japanese devs and japanese game companies treated western developers like that's why you would see like I mean, why do you think out of all the Western developers for the Super Nintendo, only Rare really seems to have like a big foothold in people's memories? In general, Western developers, not saying all games, of course, but right. in general, Western developers on those consoles didn't quite do too well. It wasn't until the PS1 and N64 where Western developers on home consoles started getting a bigger foothold into the industry. But it, it does show like they really didn't have as much of a mastery of those uh of those sound chips and like hell even like i mentioned rare rare the way they even got into working with nintendo is because they reverse engineered the nes so they could develop right. games for it so like they had to have a good understanding of nintendo's architecture in order to do anything on it because nintendo didn't even contact them they showed them a reverse engineer thing and nintendo's like you're fucking smart and hired them and you know started contracting out now we're talking real quick about the sound, though. I thought this was funny. You were bringing up some of the development stuff, and I decided real quick, one of the cool things to do on Wikipedia is if you go to the sources page and you look to try to find, like, old magazine articles, what do you want to guess they – first off, what do you want to guess they rated the game of? Like, just out – we're going to go with percentage, 0 to 100. What do you want to take – where do you think they rated this? Wait, rated 
Tasmania as a game. Tasmania, the game we're talking. Yeah, like uh, zero to hundred percent. Where would you? Put I mean, it? we didn't where do you even get the review scores here. But oh, is I'm that guessing? Well, I would just. I'm guessing yeah. it's from a Sega outlet. Both of them, yes, that I could okay. find. Yes, so I know it's probably like in the high 80s. That's actually pretty damn close. Um, I, you know what? I'll try to find one from video games and computer entertainment. But well, bef- the one I found was 92%. The other I found was 89% was what they were rating it. Yeah. And they both <laughs> rated the sound. The sound was an 85% in the one magazine and it was like out of mm. it looks like there's like 10 boxes it mm. was eight out of 10 on the on like the boxes they have like highlighted and i have severe questions severe <laughs> yes. questions for the people who reviewed this game and thought that to bring it back to the sound i have severe questions as to what the fuck they were thinking i mean let's you know what i'm just gonna skip to skip down my notes here because well i don't even think i took a lot of notes on the soundtrack because there's not a lot to say other than like what the fuck like I wasn't even sure there was music in this in this game until I went to uh YouTube basically to to see what the soundtrack actually sounded like like the soundtrack sucks it sucks so bad and it's even yeah. worse when you consider that recreational brainware was contracted by Sega to help developers make music I think what also makes it even worse is the there's a sound effect for everything and it it bizarrely yes. fits into the music but makes it worse at the same time Does like it? it almost rhythmically <laughs> well it, it what I say by fit it almost rhythmically fits into the into the music because the music is so sparse it's like to to give an example of like kind of the vibe, I don't know what why they were going for this vibe, but to kind of give an example of the vibe they were it felt like to me, Metroid. Metroid has a very sparse and ambient soundtrack, and it felt like they were trying to do a sparse and ambient soundtrack for this game, and they fucking failed on every facet of it. I was gonna it say you're giving them a lot awful. of credit, man. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> saying it sounds anything like Metroid. Metroid is like if we're going on a Metroid might as well be a 10 no matter what compared to this game and this game might as well be like a negative two like it's just the soundtrack is so bad again I know there's that one Tasmania head out there who's like really really hot on this game and I'm sure they're probably like Keith Josh what are you talking you don't understand yeah this soundtrack is amazing but listen hey I'm sorry I'm sorry because I couldn't hear it over the sound of like a drawer of silverware falling on the ground and an accordion playing as an enemy attacks you like everything in this game has a sound effect and it is just cutting out the music you said it's like rhythmic but i don't know man i mean it's i feel like there's no consistency to any of these sound effects it's just it's like a fucking cat walked across the midi keyboard and they're like put it in <laughs> like it, it, it might as well it fucking be that sucks What's even more crazy, too, is like I'm looking at another I found another review and I'm only going to talk about the sound because we're not at the final ratings or anything like that. I know I kind of gave away some of the other magazines, but like this is a non Sega magazine. This is from Video Games and Computer Entertainment from 1992. It gave the sound and music another eight out of ten. I'm like, I hit my microphone stand. Sorry. (laughs) Where are they? (laughs) What the fuck? What's what's even more wild? I ah, you know what? I'm going to put a pin in the score thing because there's something really funny about these scores that I'll get to at the end of the episode. But 
it just I'm sorry I jumped the gun earlier with him, but like the sound is just so bad. And there's a sound effect every time Taz jumps, you hear like burnt. And when he lands, burnt, burnt, burnt. And it just, yeah. it's a sound design has to be done so carefully so that way you don't get tired of the sounds you're hearing because you're going to fucking hear them a lot that's how video like video games have repetitive action so you have to have very meticulously designed sounds so that way they don't annoy the player and this game once again does not do that it's obnoxious on every on in every area of the game yeah i mean less is more i mean how many sounds are in uh, you know, Super Mario World. Not a lot. Probably more it than really we even notice. Right, but exactly. It's designed but well, I think but that's, it's designed well. Yes, exactly. Yep, exactly. Well, just to kind of steer this back into, I guess, the, the development, um, you know, recreational brainware, uh, in their very short lifespan, they created three games, including this one, uh, but the other ones being Spider-Man versus the Kingpin, and... Chakan? Is that how do you how you say that game? Chakan? I would say either Chakan, Chakan or Chakan. I think Chakan sounds better. I was just trying Chakan. I was just trying Chakan to be different. Though I did look up a cover for it. It looks kind of cool. It looks. It reminds me of an Iron Maiden cover. They basically it's off rated Iron really Maiden. highly too. It's uh, you know, that's a game people like. <laughs> and if you know, you know. But yeah, I mean, shortly after the shortly after recreational brainware uh, shut down, Sloan and Sloan and Miller did stay in the industry actually, but they kind of went their separate ways. But together, well, not together, but combined, uh, they worked on stuff like uh, Bob, Medieval, Jet Moto Three, uh, a future episode uh, of my show X Men Two: The Clone Wars, hmm. Gex, and uh, the Legacy of Kane series. So. They've they've been around, haven't really done anything. They haven't made anything recently, but they have been involved with other projects, but um, kind of in the background, more or less. So Tasmania was released in July of 1992 in the West and December 1992 in Japan. Uh, technically, this game was ported to like a million things, uh, but we already mentioned there was a SNES port, but similar to to that in which that was a different game all these ports are different games so technically not ports technically they are uh really the only thing they have in common is the name tasmania so review scores uh so <laughs> we've already kind of been talking about them but i'm sorry the i second... jumped the gun on so much there no you're good uh this this is the second time entertainment weekly has shown its face on the show uh, they gave <laughs> Tasmania a B of all places to review video games, Entertainment Weekly. Uh, but that's, I mean, for me, for review scores, that's about it because I always leave out Sega outlets because you already know they're going to, we already talked about it. They scored the game very highly because it's a Sega game. I did the same thing with Nintendo games. I never... I never took Nintendo yeah, no, 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 scores you, into consideration yeah, or anything like that. Because it's, it's too yeah. it's too biased. I get you. Well, the the one thing I wanted to bring up the reviews from video games and computer entertainment. So that's not a Sega publication, as far as I understand. They rated this game Sound and Music eight out of ten, like we ranted about before. 
they rated the graphics a 9 out of 10, which we'll get to when we talk about graphics. Playability, they rated an 8 out of 10. So, so far, pretty highly rated, even from a non-Sega thing. The overall, 7 out of 10. I'm, I don't, that I don't understand. <laughs> Do they understand averages? Like, it should be 8.5. <laughs> Or, so, or a little bit below that, maybe, because it's like uh, two eights and a nine. So what, eight and three, eight and a third? I don't fucking know. But it, <laughs> why is the overall rating lower than every other rating they rated it by? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Hmm. Well, I'm certainly glad that you are so interested in the review scores for this game, because that's going to come into play a little bit later with something I've got lined up for you. <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> so, uh, um, I'm excited. Bef- uh, you know, <laughs> at least the listeners will enjoy it. Hey everyone, this is Chris Copleen from the Retro Hangover Podcast. Right now, we are running a series called The King of Games 1992 that features Keith from the Main Quest Podcast. The show you're listening to right now is one of our guest members. All the big games of 1992 worldwide clash to claim superiority of classic gaming and nostalgia. Come over to our show, which you can find on any podcast hosting service of your choice, or go to linktree slash retro hangover, linktr.ee slash retro hangover, and see who takes the crown for the most important game from the year 1992. Uh, the story and plot of Tasmania. I mean, there kind of isn't one. Yeah, I, I do want to say Taz shows up. He eats the Sega logo. I kind of enjoy that kind of stuff. Like when a developer puts something fun. a little special. Yeah, it it's yeah, it's fun. It's right next to when developers put in like a cast list at the end of the game. where It's mm-hmm. like they give you all the enemies and they give you like their names and stuff like that. So I guess since I said a nice thing about this game, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the gameplay. Hmm. So I, I guess I'll start off here. This game doesn't feel good to play. It's easy just to dismiss that and just be like, well, this is what video games used to be like. This is how they used to play. But I don't think it's a valid argument when you look at the contemporaries, right? Sonic came out around the same time as this. Hey, I'll be the first to admit, I have issues with the Sonic games, but the feel of a Sonic game is fine. You know, Taz in general feels like either too slow to maneuver or too fast. And that's not that even like just true. that's not even taking into account that tornado technique or whatever you want to call it. The spin dash spin dash tornado probably. dash. Maybe I, I feel like his movement is really stiff. And when it comes to platforming, just 
oh, it doesn't it doesn't work in my opinion. You know the the platforming sucks. His jump sucks. It's inconsistent. And I found the collision when he would land on a platform to be pretty spotty. Uh, There's a lot of situations where I was clipping through platforms when I should have just been landing on them. I don't remember in what context I needed it or what enemy or obstacle that this got annoying, but I have a note here <laughs> that Taz cannot crouch. And so at some point I really needed to crouch. I don't know what it was, but he can't crouch. So that fucking sucks too. I'd be curious. So I actually played this on an emulator because like I said, I thought I owned the game, but it turns out I have the Super Nintendo version and not the Genesis version. Uh, so I got a, I played an emulator and of course I'm a good boy. I deleted the ROM after 24 hours. I'm not doing anything <laughs> illegal here. Uh, <laughs> just for all you, <laughs> you, uh, tattletales over out there. No, but, uh, um, so I, I played it on that and, I didn't have as many issues with the controls and I don't know. I, so with the mini consoles, the reason I, I ask is mini consoles, I've noticed there is a little bit of input lag on some of them. Like with the Super Nintendo one or sorry, the NES one, it's harder for me to play Mega Man because there's a little bit of input delay even on the, even though it's supposed to be an eight, like already scaled appropriately for HT. I don't have a Genesis mini, so I can't say for certain. But I actually didn't find the the way Taz handled too bad. I'm with you on the collect the collision detail, the collision detection. But I'll, I'll get into the controls for myself a little bit. I was about to go off on a tangent. I I cut you off. I wanted to at least ask how you, but I wanted, like I said, I wanted to ask how you uh, played it, just so I could get an idea mm. of what kind of experience I mean, you had. So here's the thing, and and this I think this is a lot of thing people say where they're like, oh yeah, this sucks, but you get used to it. And so, yeah, I mean, eventually I did get used to how Taz controlled. But, I mean, right off the bat, it's like, it's difficult to say, right? It's difficult to say because the gold standard is Mario, right? But Taz isn't Mario, right? You shouldn't expect mm -hmm. him to be no. like Mario, right? He's supposed to be his own character. But at the same time, you do have certain expectations when going into a platforming game, right? And those expectations yeah. were nowhere as far as the way Taz controls, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, but again, there's that caveat where it's like, well, I got used to it, but I don't feel like that's a good excuse, though, either. So truly, honestly, uh, tell me what you think about about the basics here. So in terms of controls, I don't have too much of an issue with how Taz controlled. Like I said, I played on an emulator, deleted the ROM after 24 hours, but I played on an emulator and I didn't have too much of an issue at all with how Taz controls. And I actually think the levels are designed pretty well around the moveset. Now, let me, there, there's a big caveat. I should say caveat. There is a big thing that I have not gone into. So don't, I'm, 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 when I giving credit to the controls here i'm gonna i have something more to specify but just bear with <laughs> with me for the compliments for the time being i think the levels are designed well enough around taz's control scheme there's not really too many areas where um you like if you lose control and you like use the spin attack too often you're you'll launch yourself off like you have to do you have to die pretty purposely by those accidental type of things but what could be easy but 
uh, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place. What could be an easy way to die accidentally in this game doesn't happen often because they designed the levels in a way where if you use your spin attack and it's hard to control moving Taz left and right with those that thing, you don't really die from that too often, like being unable to control Taz and, you know, because like with Sonic, a lot of times if you go too fast, you would run into an enemy, right? I think that's the point I'm trying to make. In this, I never found Taz's controls like, taking away from the gameplay and i also think they design the levels in a way that they don't make you do a lot of twitch reflexes it's more of an exploratory type of game where there are some levels that have like the minecart level which we will go into um there's also this like log flume type of level where you have to hop from log to log type of thing but by and large, most of the levels are exploratory. You go up and down and all around, and there's no real objectives in the levels. You just have to get to the end of the level, and that's all there is to it. And so uh, the controls, the jump, I think, is fine because the they design all the platforms around the, the, the physics of the jump. They design the game around the spin attack, which is pretty good. Um, they also have, like, the eat option, which you can eat hot peppers, and then you can use it to take out, like, more difficult enemies so there is some variety to it however it's not fun none of it is fun and when you have an exploratory level you need to either provide enough variety in the gameplay to make it interesting or make the world itself a little bit interesting um but they don't really do either of that like the the game mechanics there's not a lot to them other than jumping and spinning like you can kill enemies in almost any way you want to you can hop on top of them or you can spin attack at them and launch them off the only real kind of risk reward with the spin attack because you are invulnerable while it's in there though i guess it does apparently it lowers your your health if you do it too long which i did not know um i was reading about that somewhere i don't know if that's actually true or not but uh is that if you're spinning across the screen and you spin into a health upgrade or like a or like the hot peppers that upgrade your give you the fire breath, then you fling them off the screen. So there, that's the only real risk award. But the rest of the game is just kind of fucking boring because you're exploring levels that aren't visually interesting. There is no real challenge to the levels, in all honesty, with the exception of the levels we are going to talk about. There's a, like you said, you said in the outline, there's blind jumps a lot in this game. And that's very true. There's a lot of blind jumps, but I never really died because of the blind jumps, which I'm not crediting as good game. To, like that is like, that is more like that's bad game design that they, barely saved by not making you die easily due to blind jumps like you should never ask a player to do a blind jump that's just shitty game design but if you do at least they they make it so like it's not impossible to you know survive it um but like you just you have no fun i found myself playing this game and just trying to burn through the levels because there was nothing interesting that happened there's no fun gameplay mechanics the bosses are uninspired like the whole thing is just it's just it's fine it's just fine there you can have mediocre gameplay if there's other things that elevate the game but we've already ragged on the sound and music for it and it's awful and we'll get to the graphics in a little bit they're i i like them well enough but they're, they're nothing that like will make you want to play the game any further with the exception of i think the only positive thing i can say about this game is that the game is designed around the limitations of the physics and the control scheme that they present you with 
but that should be a bare minimum for almost any game. If the gameplay loop itself isn't that fun and it's not, it's you have you fight pretty much enemies that can get killed in one hit other than some of the bosses and other than some like there's some weird invulnerable ones that you can stand on top of every now and then like sand pits and shit like that. But like other than that, it's a breeze to walk through. They refill your health at the beginning of every level. It's honestly pretty easy up until a handful of specific levels that we'll get to, but it's not fun. You just it, it, like I was playing this. I'm like, I was forcing myself to play this because I, I was like, we're talking about this for the show and I, I got to do this, but it was never something where it was worth my time. Is that how you felt too? Maybe not. You, you didn't like the controls and that's totally fair, but did you kind of feel like that with the gameplay as well, where it was more just kind of like it just, there's nothing to it. I, I love, I love how sometimes when I get people on the show and they have to talk about a game like this and it almost feels like I'm making them do jury duty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I asked for this. Okay. You, you, uh, you, you are not at fault in the slightest. I, I wanted this. So I, you know, I hate to be a little bit boring here, but I basically, like I a hundred percent agree with everything you just said. I'm going to kind of echo that. I'm going to, of course, because of who I am, I'm going to be a little bit more mean about it because I don't, yes, everything is designed around the things that Taz can do, but there's nothing meaningful about it. Yeah. Like, they're not fun. Like, the things he can do are just not fun. Like, take the spin dash, right? That Mm -hmm. is like, besides for eating shit, the spin dash is like the main characteristic of Taz, right? That is, I see where you're going with this. They don't do anything with that. They really yeah. do not use that mechanic to its full potential. Like, it's it's like they watch the cartoons and they're like, yeah, Taz does this thing in their cartoons, so we have to put it in here. But they didn't actually, like, put any thought into it. In almost all cases, I felt like it was just easier to sit sit in place and do the spin and let enemies come to you than to actually have to use the tornado at all uh, as far as traversing goes and then another th- I mentioned the other characteristic of taz's eating things i think that's also very underutilized you mentioned that there's items that give him specific things or do specific give him specific power-ups which is like there's only two invincibility and the ability for him to throw fireballs. Mm-hmm. And those aren't even, those are pretty rare pickups. Like they're not all over yeah. the place or anything like that. So they maybe show up once or twice every few stages. Uh, they're, not, they're not very common pickups or anything like that. So I just think the things that are, are in this game just yeah I, again i agree with that they're just not interesting everything is so underutilized it's just like well we have to have it in here because it's in the cartoon i i, I, I think you, you nailed it no no i think i think you really added some context to something that i didn't talk about when i was discussing the gameplay the core mechanic of taz as a character is the spin that's what he's known for spinning and eating. And while eating has a little bit of an element to it, like you can eat some enemies, um, you can 
obviously eat food. You can also eat bombs, but they hurt you, which I think is actually right. kind of dumb because in, if it was Taz, he would just kind of like the joke would be he eats it. It explodes in his stomach. And he's like, oh, I have a little bit of indigestion. Like they kind of kill right. a joke that you would see in the Taz cartoons. And the spin is his most iconic thing. That's what he's known for. Every fucking 90s shirt with him on it was him spinning in a little thing. And you see his head pop out of the whirlwind of brown uh like you would that was his thing and they don't do a single interesting thing with it the most interesting thing i can say that they do with it is that if you run if you jump and then spin it kind of gives you like this boosted jump to the left or right depending on which way you're going but then you also have very little control when you land if, if you land where you want to um there is a level after the minecart level, which I don't know when you want to get into the minecart level, you just you just, you just talk about go it off when you're ready. Um, well, okay. So there's a level after the minecart level, which we'll talk about the minecart level next. Then, where it's it's another it's a repeat of that log level where you're hopping on from log to log and you have to traverse from left to right type of thing. But it it's it's harder because the logs are moving in a different pattern or they're moving in a different direction. So what I did, there is a way to cheese it because there's a midway point where you get, you know, the little like Taz statue, which is your where you can continue from your halfway point. And what you can do is you can jump up in the air, hit the spin button and move to the right. So you'll launch off to the right, then go pretty far, hit the water, which does hurt you. But you bounce insanely high in the air from water damage in this, like higher than you can actually jump normally. And you that so then I would do the the has spin thing again off to the right so i never had to jump on any fucking log i literally just went <laughs> jump spin all the way to the right bounce as high as possible at the height at the height of the arc spin to the right again bounce as high as possible get to the height of the arc spin to the right again i made it to that midway point um and got the little checkpoint and i was slightly over half health still like you don't even have to do it I couldn't get past that checkpoint, but now that I think about it, if I purposely die and start at that checkpoint again, I'll be back at full health and then I can just cheese it away to the rest of, to the end of the level. So there are, okay. I found that kind of amusing that you could do that. Uh, cause I kind of discovered on the, cause the thing I, I, I was giving praise to Taz control set before this, is this level is where I actually think it's fucking horseshit because the way you're supposed to work is that it's kind of like a it's kind of like a frogger ish idea where you move up and like you'll see the screen and there's a river on it and it's going horizontal and there's logs on five different rows of the river. So the idea is that you have to jump up and down, like go up and down levels, but you have to hold up or down depending on where you want to go and then you hit the jump button. No problem with that. Problem is, if you hold it too long, then he'll go up two or three rows instead of only one or down. But he only goes down one at a time. Down's pretty easy. So it was really hard for me to gauge where the fuck I actually was jumping to because uh, you can't see. And you can only make those decisions quickly because of the logs that when you stand on them will sink. They'll sink into the water and then eventually hurt you. So I'm sure if I practiced it, I could figure it out. But the control scheme of like and you'll see it in other levels too like if you are standing on a higher level and you want to move down to a lower level you can hold the down button and then hit jump and tazzle drop but i always found that i would 
I would do that, but Taz would still jump. And I don't know if that's because I was playing on an emulator or if it's just an issue with the actual control scheme. But it's weird because I didn't have an issue with controls with anything else for the most part. It was only when I was having to move up and down levels by holding down and hitting the jump button that it just decided to not work as well as the other controls did. It was really strange. One simple thing that the developers could have done to help those stages, add a shadow. Add a shadow yeah. right below Taz. Oh, yeah. But they didn't. And the other thing that gets me about those log stages is that even though it is easy to understand how to maneuver Taz between the logs and uh, between the, uh, I don't know, the platforms uh, in the background, mm-hmm. they don't tell you that a level like that is coming up. They don't teach you those mechanics. So when you are first playing the level and you are just jumping from platform to platform or you're like oh i get it i have to jump on these logs to cross to the other side and then you're wondering why the hell taz is getting hurt by the water (laughs) you're just like what what the fuck i started i'm like how am i supposed to play this How, how am i supposed to beat this level and then it just the way he jumped kind of um because he kind of like sticks his arms up in the air i don't know how that connected in my mind where i was like oh maybe i have to maneuver him around while he's like you know 50 feet in the air <laughs> like you said he jumps up pretty high uh I, d- I don't know how i connected those dots i was looking to see if i could find in the in the manual because a lot of times we have to remember context to the time games back then had a lot of information needed in the manual so i actually pulled the manual up on my phone and i'm trying to see if it even has anything about like moving down or up or like knowing how to traverse things like that by moving down or up on platforms uh that aren't just strictly because it is confusing because here's here's a actually a bit of bad game design everything looks like it's on everything that you can land on looks like it's on the foreground but some platforms you can't drop down below and others you can and there's no real clear indication what those are because like if it was mario you can tell because they have specific blocks that you're able to do that on versus this is since the levels are also varied which normally would be a good thing makes it harder to tell which blocks you're able to hold down and jump so you can drop down a level versus the ones that are just floors that you can't do that on i do want to um get to this minecart stage and maybe you can tell me if in the manual it tells you whether or not uh, you can speed up or slow down in the minecart. <laughs> you can. Oh, I know you can, but does it tell me? Oh, it, the, yes, it does. The... And I actually just looked it up right here. Yes, it says here. We'll read the minecart. Well, no, I was going to say as a quick overview of the minecart level, Keith. What is our opinions on it? This is where I stopped playing the game. that's all you need to know um no what it says was taz takes a wild ride on a roller coaster roller coasting or cart like or as an ore the cart is almost out of control so you've got to be quick to make it through safely press the d button left to slow down and right to speed up press Mm. and hold the action button to lift over obstacles and release it to set the cart down look up for the Look for the up and down arrows that should that show you when to raise and lower the cart. Watch the lights before jumping over the deep pits. Yellow means slow down. Green means speed up to get across safely. Once you're in the mine shafts, use the elevators to zip around. And this is the uh, grab the level. Yeah, yeah, grab the lever with the action button. So this is that's after the minecart stage. That's just in the exploratory section of the mine level. 
So, yeah, you, you get to this minecart stage and I'm like, oh, OK, Donkey Kong Country before Donkey Kong Country. Right. Like, I mean, say what you want about <laughs> those minecart stages. I mean, I know some people like them, some people don't, but I, I I'm fine with them. And I was like, OK, cool. No, this suddenly becomes uh, like the Battletoads. Uh, what do you call it? The hovercraft section of that game. And it's you have to have incredibly good twitch reflexes mm-hmm. and as you were just talking about with the the yellow lights and the green lights the red lights whatever there comes a point where taz has to jump over these pits onto the other side of the tracks <laughs> but you know i'm not reading the manual i don't know anything fuck me i guess and taz is just gonna go into that pit every single time and i'm like how the fuck how do you do this how do you do this and just like the log levels, I just happened to just mess with the D-pad a little bit more. I'm like, well, maybe if I hold back on the D-pad or maybe if I uh, press right on the D-pad, something else will happen. And there is a subtle animation to the minecart and to Taz that shows that you're either slowing down or you're speeding up. Had no idea. Had no idea until <laughs> it was way too late. And having had that knowledge and i was talking to you off air about this level and i was like even last week i'm like i'm pretty sure i'm not gonna come back to this and i came back to it like three more times came back to it three more times and i still could not i couldn't do it i couldn't do it i the only reason i beat this level and i don't give myself credit as a as a as a super skilled player for this i save scummed it's the only way I could do this without wanting to murder myself. Cause if you lose all your lives and all your continues, uh, it's back to the beginning and that's back to the start of the game. Yep. And that's fine. Like, like I didn't, I don't consider myself, like if I had ended up finishing this game, I wouldn't consider, I wouldn't have considered myself beating it because I couldn't play through the level. I had to save scum through that level because it was so unrealistically difficult. And listen, I have no issue when a game gives you a challenge. I have no issue when a game gives you a fucking hard challenge. But there's a difference between this easy breezy, uh, I shouldn't say easy breezy, but this relatively straightforward uh, exploratory platformer. And then it throws a completely different mechanic at you. And not just a mechanic that you haven't seen so far in the game. It's a, it's a mechanic that you haven't seen so far in the game. And it's a fucking impossible version of that mechanic. It's like... You know how like a lot of people get stuck on the first minecart level in Donkey Kong Country because it, it is relative, it is difficult to an extent, but realistically, the mechanics of that level are still kind of similar to how Donkey Kong Country works. It moves left to right, and you're timing your jumps to dodge enemies. In this one, the, it's a lot like Tasmania is. I'm not comparing it to this game because this game is significantly better, but it's like the war, the, um, Wario Land games where in the sense it's an exploratory type of thing. You're, you play a level and you explore around in it. And it's not about how fast you can move from left to right. It's more about what can you find and how can you, what interesting ways can you get from point A to point B? Uh, and once again, not comparing the two, Wario Land is, fucking amazing compare and how dare you compare tasmania to a video game (laughs) i know right uh but like in this game it's a slow paced it it doesn't rely that much on twitch reflexes for the most part there are moments but overall there's not a lot of twitch reflex moments 
But then you get to the minecart stage and it's like, fuck that. Everything is Twitch reflex. Everything you've been conditioned to do in this game doesn't fucking matter in this stage. It's, yeah. and I mean, that is a symptom of game design around this time. Uh, Cause even if you look at like NES games from just like four or five years prior, like the adventures of Bayou Billy, there's four different game types. There's like a light gun stage, there's a platforming stage and there's a driving stage. Like they, this was a thing where game developers were still experimenting with different ideas. And that's totally like Mario, fine. Look at Mario land, Mario land with the shmup. The, sh- the shmup. No yeah. But that's still, I'm not saying a game always has to have the same gameplay style all the time to be good or to be good game design. But when you, when you switch up the play style with something that's never been done before in the game and you make it basically like a final boss level of difficulty on that stage, then that's bad design because you, you, you haven't given the player the tools at all to be, to be able to handle this efficiently without bashing their head through a wall. So it's an insanely hard game, an insanely hard level, excuse me. Um, the game itself would not be difficult if it wasn't for levels like this. Why did I set up a merch table here? I don't even have any listeners in Raccoon City. I guess I should be thankful that guy in those really cool sunglasses let me use his house. Hey! Oh god, finally! Customers! I was beginning to think everyone in this house was dead or something. What is this? What are you doing in this place? Well, I'm just here selling main quest merchandise from redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod what are you guys doing out here <laughs> you must be from the bravo team bravo team what no 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 i'm i'm just a i'm a podcaster i'm from the main just qu- a moment i found something what is it that uh that that's a uh resident evil series themed tote bag the house on that artwork looks suspiciously familiar but um yeah i've also got pins stickers and themed phone cases that you can store in that thing just in case you run out of inventory slots. You saved my life. I owe you one. <laughs> hey, let's uh, hey, let's not get dramatic, okay? You, you don't owe me anything. But if you do feel like supporting the show, all of the funds feed directly back into the podcast so I can keep putting out great content and even more designs. And the best thing about Redbubble is not only are they print-on-demand, but your quality merch will arrive in no time at all. He's insane! Whoa! Let me take care of this. And yeah, as you can see, there's even a selection of shirts for the beefiest of boys like Mr. Redfield over here. <laughs> Thank you. That site again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash pod, or just visit the link in the show notes. Well, I guess I can pack it up for tonight, but how the hell am I going to get through these locked doors? Here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you.
Everybody's favorite part of the show. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> a very reluctant sure. <laughs> this is a game that I would like to call. Is this better than Tasmania? So this game, like all my games, is a simple one. These are prices right rules in which all you have to do is guess if the average cumulative score of any of the 10 games I'm going to give you is higher or lower than Tasmania. Okay. If you get it right, you have a shot at getting a bonus point. To gain that point, all you have to do is guess within one point of what the score is. Okay. Got it? So like if so let's say the average Tasmania score is 5. I'm not I'm just throwing out a, a lower number than probably what it's been. Sure. Five. Uh, and I <laughs> guess that it's higher and that's correct. Then I would have to guess like how like within one, like is it an eight, a seven or a six or something like that? Right. So. If, OK. Yeah, cool. So in that in that example, if you're like six, yeah, I would give you the point. But if you're like seven, nah. but that's just the bonus point. Full disclosure, the cumulative points were gathered from five different reviews across whatever outlets were used at the time and so specifically for tasmania our our control score here is roughly an 8.65 dear fucking god are you shitting me <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready 8 point wait 8.5 8.5 8.65 almost 8. a 9 6.5. dear almost mm. a 9 out of 10 all right <sighs> I know just it just does not match with what we were we've been it's, talking about. You're going to tell me like it's Super Metroid and it got like an 8.4. I'm going to be fucking pissed. Oh, I'm going to say uh these are all Looney Tunes games. Mm. So All right, cool. Keep that in mind also. So these are all Looney Tunes games. Do they have a higher or lower score than Tasmania? Let's find out. Game number 1 Bugs Bunny: colon, Lost in Time. And that is a PlayStation game. I'm going to guess lower. Correct. Yes. Uh, it had a score of 6.07. Oh, shit. I just gave you. <laughs> I just. Uh, I ruined it. I got it you know right, what? I'm going to give you that bonus point. <laughs> I'm just going to give that to you. There we go. Um, I have to remember not to give away the score right away. All right. <laughs> This is going great for you so far. Uh, game number two. <laughs> Space Jam, uh, which is also for the PlayStation. I'm going to have to guess lower for that one, too. Correct. Do you know what this? Can you guess what the score is? Um, most game publications don't give anything lower than a five unless it's completely fucking broken. So I'm going to guess a six. Yeah. Very close. Uh, yeah, 6.31. All right. So far, two points. Well, I lucked out on the first one. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three. Tiny Toon, 
Tiny Toons Adventures, colon, Buster Bus Loose. And that is, of course, Super Nintendo. I'm going to guess higher. Correct. And for the bonus point. So our thing was 8.65. I'm going to guess 9 then. (laughs) Dude, yeah. Yeah. 9.02. That one is kind of lucky, though, because it's not going to be a fucking 10 out of 10. So between 8, I can't guess 8 because it's lower. (laughs) So I either had 9 or 10. 9 is just an easy one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess this is, uh, I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Number four, Looney Tunes B-Ball for the Super Nintendo. That's going to be lower. It is lower. I'm going to guess seven. Yes, (laughs) 7.52. Jeez. (laughs) Share your screen. (laughs) Share your screen. Are you looking these up? (laughs) I mean, you can can hear me typing. (laughs) Um... Game number five, Looney Tunes Space Race for the Dreamcast. Ooh, okay. So I'll be honest, I was doing a little gamesmanship with this. I was trying to pick like how you would how you would organize it. So I figured when the first one was lower, I'm like, well, the second one's going to be lower because most people don't immediately like, well, I can't just go back and forth. I can't just do alternating. So... Uh, we're going to go with lower. And then I figured, well, we already had two lows, so the third has to be higher. Um, then I kind of took a stab on the fourth one, so which was lower. So this one is Looney Tunes Space Race for the Dreamcast. I feel I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to guess lower again. You are correct. It is lower. But how low? I'm going to guess seven on this one. Yes. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> what the f- <laughs> Well, you're only uh, what are we? Two, four, six. I've got an every one. Well, so yeah, yeah. You you already have ten, and there's still five more to go. So, game or yeah, game six. Bugs Bunny and Taz: Colon Time Busters for the PlayStation. I'm gonna guess higher. Incorrect. Lower. There's the first one done. Okay, but it's not. As low as you would think it is. Uh, so this is where we get it, get into semantics uh, because Tasmania, once again, 8.65. Time Busters is 8.15. Ooh, so just barely lower. Or, yeah. yeah, just barely. Just barely. Game number seven. Looney Tunes World of Mayhem for... It's a mobile game. Mobile game. Mobile. It's got to be lower than... I'm sorry, Josh. That is oh, incorrect. No, I should have known it. I should have known the mobile was going to throw me off. It's actually uh, nearly a ten out of ten game. It has a nine point five. What the fuck? What game is this? Uh, Looney Tunes World of Mayhem. I had never heard of it until I was putting together putting this game together. Looney Tunes World of Mayhem. I'm going to look it up on my phone right now. Holy shit! It. Has a four point. If we're going by this, it's lower. Four point one out of five stars on the on the Android app, which would be an eight point two. But no, I, I you aggregated. I'm just joking around. Yeah, it's out of five different. Yeah, that's wild. Okay, I've never even heard about this game. Might be worth checking out. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, uh, then again, it is a mobile ads. game, so yeah, that's all right. Game number eight: Sheep, Dog, and Wolf. For the PlayStation. 
dude, this game's fucking awesome. I'm probably gonna be wrong with this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play my heart. It's higher. It is lower. They're fucking wrong. They got... they, they, this <laughs> is a travesty. Humanity is dying because of this rating. This is uh, sorry. I'm okay, sorry, so Josh. We, Tasmania is a lot better than <laughs> this game. So, Seven point okay. zero five. Well, I'm sorry, Josh, but you have a couple of goose eggs on the board right now. I do so three in a row, man. You got you got two two more here. Number nine, another Tiny Toons game. Tiny Toons Adventures: Colon Wacky Sports Challenge for the Super Nintendo. I'm probably going to be wrong with this, but I'm going to guess lower. It's probably this one's probably going to be higher. It is higher. I knew it. I fucking it is higher. So what is the just just. Barely. <laughs> it has an 8.7. What is wrong with people? Compared to the 8.65 of Tasmania. Sheep Raider is below all of these? Below uh, there is, that, yes. There's injustice in this. There is no justice in this world. Okay, so we're on to the last one now. Last one. And usually I always leave the, the hardest one for last here. And technically... I'm counting it. Technically, Looney Tunes game. Multiverses for the PlayStation 5 Xbox series line here. Ooh. Um, I'm going to guess lower. That is correct. It is worse than Tasmania. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> okay, so now I have to guess the number, though, to get the point. Um, mm, seven. Yeah, just just under an eight uh, at seven point nine six. That I yeah, I went with the tried and true. Every game reviewer gives average games a seven, no matter what. Yes, that absolutely worked out in your favor. It did. Yeah, I, the, took, I mean, I the lowest one here was uh, there were two sixes, but everything else was basically either a seven or a nine. Hmm. Well, all right. So but yeah, six out of four, uh, that's not bad. Or sorry, six out of ten. You may, But I mean, you made out with uh, 12 points uh, out of, you know, 10 regular points, essentially. So, hey, that's that's pretty fucking good. And uh, you also got yourself uh, a nice uh, fat spot on the main quest high score challenge board. I don't have a real name for that. <laughs> I think I just stole that for Retro Hangover, to be honest. But uh, yeah, that's the game. And uh, I completely forgot what the game is called. The game is called Is This Better Than Tasmania? I mean, you can't you can't you can't argue with these aggregate scores. But what we can't argue about, or well, we probably won't argue about it at all. <laughs> it's the graphics. I don't know, honestly. So the graphics are probably going to be the most lenient I am on the game. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. Why don't you start off, man? Why don't you start off? What do you think about the graphics? Um, I think that the designs of some of the levels are really good. Not to like the visually, I'm speaking not in terms of gameplay. Like the very first level, the Badlands, I it's very wily e. coyote esque. I love how obviously Taz looks really cool. I like all the looks of the rocks that are jutting up. My issue with not just this level, but also pretty much every level is that the backdrops are not visually distinctive enough from the foreground. The background's not visually distinctive enough from the foreground. And that is, thankfully, the game, they draw it well enough where you don't think anything in the background is something you can jump on, but is still it's still a little bit muddied. I would say the level that <laughs> unfortunately does it the best is the minecart level, but that's <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, the minecart level and maybe even the, 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 the Taz tech ruins as there, as the levels are called now, which I did not get to. I watched a, a playthrough of it. That's the level after. So like you said, you stopped at the minecart level after the minecart mm-hmm. level, there's a repeat of the jungle with the logs, and then there is the Taztec ruins, and then the final the final giant seabird, which actually, have you seen what the final boss of this game looks like since we're talking about graphics anyway? Have you seen what the fucking seabird looks like? No. It's awful. Absolutely awful. It looks like a fucking, uh, what, it looks like uh, word art from Microsoft Word, or like one of those, like, uh, stickers that you'd put in like Microsoft Word in the 90s that you would just put on top of like you know your reports to make them look fancy because you wanted to do something different the bird looks awful if you even look up videos of it like you can see what I'm talking about it looks like clip art that's the word I couldn't think of it looks like clip art um, and it like has super detailed levels the the oh what the f- yeah <laughs> this is so bad i'm sorry no it's awful it looks like clip art and it it's it's scaled really poorly because you can even see like the i'm looking at a screen a, a screenshot of it now it literally looks like they took there's like no anti-aliasing yeah. aliasing well, or they, anything it like that looks like, like they took a sprite so rigid it looks like they took a sprite and scaled it instead of designing the pr- the sprite at its proper scale to be as large as it is yeah. as it is on screen and it doesn't fit in with anything it looks more realistic it looks like uh, uh it looks like it's trying to do a more detailed real looking piece of art versus the cartoony nature of the taz game itself it does not fit at all it's probably one of the worst pieces of art in the entire game in my opinion i think the sprites are fine i think that's probably the best thing i'll say about this game is that the sprites look all right but kind of going with what we're talking about with the final boss here is a lot of the enemies look fucking generic they don't look like anything out of the cartoon show except for like the bosses that are obviously pulled straight from the cartoon now taz and those specific bosses from the the characters that represent the cartoon their sprites look like they were handled with a lot of care a lot of detail those sprites look really good taz looks really good the tornado looks really good it was animated very very well Mm -hmm. but everything else to me just looks incredibly generic i know you're talking about uh, the first level where it's like, yeah, it reminds you of the canyons of the Looney Tunes cartoons and stuff like that. But to me, I'm just like, this is just an, your average desert level. 
and then you've got your average ice level, which, by the way, if I'm correct, Tasmania is in Australia, right? Uh, it's not. No, it's not in Australia. It's it's an island as far as I'm aware. Um, hold on. You know what? While you're talking, I will look it up. Well, now I just feel like what I'm going to say is wrong, but I don't remember any. It's it, it is an island south of Australia. Oh, okay, so it's near Australia. Yes, I I would doubt. I would doubt there are any type of icy climates. And in I was wrong. You are correct. It is a it is a state of Australia. It is considered a, a it is part of Australia. So I was I was dead wrong about that. Tasmania does have that, or it is part of that. Well, I mean, I, either way, I, I we were both we were both right and we were both incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it is an island, but it is also part of Australia. But either way. My point still stands. I doubt there are any fucking icy climates next to a jungle in Tasmania. I'd be curious. I do see mountain ranges. I do see mountain ranges. I I will try. <laughs> I have Google Street View on. Let's see what I can find. <laughs> oh, you don't have to wait for me. Keep on talking. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's really all I have to say. I mean, the, the levels to me are uninspired. They, they are just your typical biome platforming stages, and I feel like they, again, kind of like some of the mechanics in this game, squandered their chances to put stages in here that were direct callbacks to the cartoon. And I think for some of these stages, maybe it's just me, but some of the stages are I think look ugly, like particularly the river stages with yeah. the logs. I also think the factory stage looks really ugly. Yes, and cluttered. I think also there's just so many different mechanics going on in that in that stage that it just looks so cluttered, like it's it's almost claustrophobic. The the river stages uh has this awful combination of greens and there's like these plant monsters in that stages that blend into the background of the stage and you can't see them. So I don't know. Besides the sprites, in my opinion, I don't think this game really has a lot going for it graphically. Uh, I would say at least it's more colorful than a lot of Genesis games, but in the end, I, I, I just don't really think that's enough to pull this over as to say like, yeah, this is a great looking Genesis game. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. It's, it's fine. Side note, I was looking through Google Street View for Tasmania. I found a tiny patch of snow in one picture so far. Uh, so there is <laughs> snow does exist somewhere in Tasmania, but no, I'm with you though on the graphics. Like I think you nailed it with Taz. Taz looks really good. The, the his animations are good he it's very it's very clear that they spent the most amount of time on his sprite and his animation uh which is great it's what you should do as the main character that's what you're focused on most of the time mm. the rest of the characters are not that visually interesting all the enemies are not that visually interesting at all they're either tiny little bugs or crabs or penguins or fucking just i don't know random bullshit that it doesn't even i don't even know so the most of it's not even that interesting the visual design of the levels, like we are, like you already said, not that interesting. I actually think the snow level is one of the worst because not only does it is it just boring to look at, it's also has, from what I remember, it has all those blind jumps. It has the most blind jumps from what I remember. Yeah. So it's the nicest thing I can say about the jungle level is I like the texture, uh, like the the 
the graphic texture that they used for the for the little like stones that Taz is standing on for platforms, like it's part of like a temple wall or something. But other than that, it's not that visually interesting. So yeah, I'm with you. It's it's fine though. It's not nothing to write home about. Like it's serviceable. I don't look at the graphics and go, oh god, this is awful. Only one level did that for me, and it was the factory level. Everything else, it was fine. Nothing to write home about, nothing to go crazy about. It was it was fine. And I would say the jungle level also was pretty rough just because the river graphics were not appealing to look at. We already talked about the music at the beginning of the show. So if you're ready, then I'm ready to wrap this up. I'm 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 ready. I'm all tazzed out. left for us to do is summarize our thoughts and if we could possibly recommend playing Tasmania and I think uh well you tend to well you at least tend to sound more positive <laughs> so I will go first and I'm just gonna be blunt uh no <laughs> no, I, I don't think you should check out Tasmania. I really can't think of any reason to play this game unless you are stubborn about the stuff you played when you were a kid. And let's be honest, you know, I've learned that a lot of people like to be stubborn about the things that they played as children. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's fine. But I mean, honestly, from top to bottom, this game, I feel like is a mess. It kind of screams poor development from a team that not only had no right to teach people how to compose music on the Genesis, but had also no real business creating their own game. The only redeeming thing is some of the sprites, in my opinion. That's really about it. Like, just don't play it. Stay away from it. So, Josh, take us home. My recommendation is no. <laughs> no, okay. it, it's it's not worth your time. The only way I could possibly recommend this is in a hyper specific scenario. So, a you really love Taz and you just absorb every single bit of content that Taz is related with, then yeah, give this game a shot. Or maybe you just like video games based off cartoons. Same thing. The only practical reason I could say to play this game is learn what not to do from it. Learn, use the game as a learning tool as to why certain things work in games and certain things don't. Certain things like don't make your sound design sound like a Foley artist is just having a panic attack in the middle of a recording <laughs> session. Th that's a really great idea <laughs> to not do in your video game. So, no, I don't recommend this game unless you are curious about it. it. It was, I like, even if I end up not liking a game, I always like trying something new. So I'm grateful I got to play it, believe it or not, because it's something, it's it's an experience that now I can use to round out other opinions and use it as a comparison point for learning uh, when trying to analyze future games. But for most people who don't have podcasts and who don't like to critically analyze games for whatever reason, for for good, probably for good reason, in all honesty, uh, to uh, this is not for you. I don't recommend it. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I put 
music as interstitials in my podcast, and they're not going to get the actual game music with context. Like, <laughs> well, they're going to get the actual game music, but there's not going to be any context to it because there's not going to be any of the sound effects playing. I mean, you could record you could record the audio off of one of your playthroughs, or 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 t- rip the audio from a YouTube video. Yeah, because I don't feel like it's fair to put the actual soundtrack in without. The stuff that we were talking about. I mean, you can put it in here so that way there are at least four uh, listeners. You're forewarned. If he does put it in here, this is what you get. So yeah, that's it, Josh. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure anytime we are working on something together. I, I just recently, I did the uh, the Final Fantasy VII episode mm-hmm. with you. Uh, we did the King of Games stuff with uh, Retro Hangover and all those other people. Yeah, it's, it's always always fun to do that stuff with you. So thank you. Man. Uh, speaking of the stuff we do on the internet, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? So uh, you can find the Still Loading podcast if you if you liked uh, my randomness and I, it's it's kind of funny. I actually feel bad. I feel like I swore a little bit too much in this episode. But listeners, you can tell when I'm having a good time when I start swearing a lot. So I had a really fun time on this episode, man. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, but you can find the Still Loading podcast where all good podcasts are given for free over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. And you can go, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Still Loading pod on all of them also over on twitch at still loading pod on there i think youtube i'm at still loading podcast because for some reason i could do at still loading pod to keep it consistent but i already had someone impersonate still loading on there so i'm like you know what i want to do the full name just Mm. so people don't fuck with it uh so yeah uh that's where you can find the still loading podcast and uh i think i think i think that's all i got yeah i think that's all i got so yeah still loading podcast on all those places next time on the program B. Ross from Super Garbage Day will be dropping by to talk about a game that I was not too fond of growing up. Maybe a bit of foreshadowing. (laughs) Just a little bit. Who knows? You gotta listen. It's gonna be Revenge of Shinobi. So until then, take care of yourselves and always remember, it's okay to like a video game.
He said bad words on the Main Quest podcast. <laughs>